Good evening, everyone. I'm reading again from the Taoist text, the Tao Te Ching, chapter 11. We join spokes together in a wheel, but it is the center hole that makes the wagon move. We shape clay into a pot, but it is the emptiness inside that holds whatever we want. We hammer wood for a house, but it is the inner space that makes it livable. Similarly, we work with being, but non-being is what we use. Non-being is what we use. And this is one of those places where um, trying to cogitate on this is exactly missing it, is exactly missing it. This is the teaching that needs to be felt into um, and experienced. This is the truth of um, self as seen through the metaphor of the waterfall. We head out to Thunderbird Falls near Anchorage and we think to ourselves, yes, I'm going to Thunderbird Falls. I recognize this as Thunderbird Falls. I am making a uh, destination to see a thing. And then we look closer, explore even a little closer, and it's not a thing at all. This water constantly moving. Yes, over the same spot, but never the same water. Never the same water, never the exact pattern. This is a great metaphor for the self. We think of, you know, we, we, we open to this reality of self um, more accurately described as process than thing. And then yet, again and again, we collapse into thinking of ourselves as, as a solid entity. Hmm. Easy to see with the waterfall. Uh, the text says we work with being, but non-being is what we use. I want to um, diverge now to the idea of um, holding space or giving things space. Um, as in with a experience or an emotion arising inside of us, we know the reality of giving that space giving ourselves space to feel what's arising, mm -hmm. giving the arising experience space to be felt. We do this with ourselves and know at some level the uh, healing power of that, 
of that? Can you even call it an action, this giving of space, this allowing room for something to be felt? This simple absence of pushing away in aversion or um, um, desiring some other different experience to um, come forward. This feeling of what is. So we give space in this way for ourselves and also for others. For others, such as someone who is grieving or having some sort of difficulty. Just holding space, just holding space. So little, often nothing needs to be said. Um, Another example or facet of this space is sometimes when we ourselves are having um, some sort of hard time, difficult emotion uh, or situation, we can report to ourselves or to a friend, you know, this is happening in my life, whatever the this is, but I have space from it. I have space from it. So that means a bigger container around it. I have perspective. Can also use here the word disidentification. Maybe too big of a word when we're pointing to something that really just needs to be felt. I have space from it. I'm not confusing this emotion or this experience. Um, with who I really am. Hmm. In a text that we often uh, chant at the end of retreat in the Son of Zazen by uh, Hakuin Zenji, uh, there's the line, if we look inward and prove our true nature, that true self is no self. Our own self is no self. We go beyond ego and past clever words. So if we look look inward and prove our true nature, look inward, where is inward? Where is inward? This looking is simply letting go of all the mistaken ideas of self, all of the static, all of the static. Forget inner and outer. Hmm? The static can come from outside, can come from somebody else giving us um, misguided feedback (laughs) Um, or even well-guided feedback. Um, or it can come from our own minds. It's always a reflection of our own minds. If we look inward, if we let that static drop away, what's left? If we let that static drop away, what can come forward? 
It's not a thing. It's not a thing. This is a pointer to um, look into. And how do we look into it? By letting what's extra drop away. Hmm. Often we recognize something as extra uh, through having made mistakes in the past, mistaken kinds of identifications or actions taken from um, uh, not checking impulses um, or listening to voices inside that we might do well not to listen to voices inside, voices outside. If we look inward and prove our true nature, if we let go of the static and have the direct experience, as we all have, and I'll get to that, um, of what comes forward in that space, we see, not with the eyes, we see through that experience that true self is no self. Set the ideas aside. We see through that experience that true self is this unfolding of what comes forward. It's not a self at all. It's not us. Or one chant says, it is us. <laughs> um, but it's coming uniquely forward through this body-mind. This body-mind slash set of experience says, set of competencies even, right? If we've learned to prepare taxes, it can come forward through a skillful preparation of taxes. If we've learned to play the harmonica, it can come forward through that. <laughs> if we've learned just to have a conversation with another being, it can come forward through that. It doesn't require a certain circumstance or job or hobby or venue of social engagement. When we're out of the way, that which is most cleanly us comes forward. We go beyond ego and past clever words. It's the ego, i.e. all of these ideas about how it should be and who we are and what people think of us or how people should treat us or what we want. Go beyond that past any kind of reification into me or not me. And this learning to let go and let it flow, it's a lifetime thing. You know, we've all had moments or uh, experiences and then we keep, um, this is practice, this is practice. This is moving forward and going, oh, oops, okay, I need to let go here and let something else move forward. There's a teaching on um, anger, you know, in Shantideva, um, where, you know, if anger arises, this 
being, this bodhisattva, this monk's vow is, like a log I shall remain. So anger arises and I'm just going to stay still. I'm not going to act on this. I'm going to let it pass. And we can use this teaching with so much that is extra. So much that is extra. I had an experience yesterday. So I was at the homeless shelter where I work very, um, very, very, very part-time hours. And um, often I'm just there, like literally there in a space, (laughs) letting youth do what they do and I'm I'm present there so they see there's this staff person and um, maybe things go better or there's something to respond when something happens or something needs redirection and um, so a youth very unskillfully expressed that the um, loudness the volume of the video game that was happening in the space was too loud and the youth in, on playing the video game were, you know, equally aggressive and were not turning it down. And the first youth finally, like, backed off. But, you know, the video game is pretty loud. And so I go over and sit next to the two youth playing the video game. Um, and I say, you know, could you, you turn the volume, you know, turn the volume down just, you know, like a notch or two. You know, oblige me here. And I get F off. I don't want to talk to you. And, you know, the harshest tone you can. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> F off. I don't want to talk to you. And and hard, like, back to the video game. Like, hard boundary. Like, no, there's not an open door here. Like, F off. Um, and so I'm like, okay. <laughs> And I just, I was able to just sit there. And by the way, I can tell this story because, like, I've done it, like, not as well before. Um, so it, yesterday, I was able to just sit there. <laughs> and part of what came up for me is, you know, you shouldn't ta- talk to staff that way. That's not acceptable. Mostly, like, that kind of content. Like, they need to respect me. I could also see that voicing any of that wasn't going to get me anywhere. So I sat there for a while, and they just, like, played their video game. And, like, I didn't know what to do, or if I was going to be able to do anything. Um... But from that space of not knowing, what came up for me to say eventually was, uh, like, still looking straight forward. You know, they're, like, still playing their video game. I'm like, you know what? I'm not in love with how this is going. But, you know, I'm kind of processing as I'm talking. I can see that you're in the middle of a round right now, so, yeah. Maybe I'll just get up and come back in a bit.
for me, like, though I might have not been perfectly clean or have achieved an ideal state of some sort, there was space for something like that to flow forward. So for me, that's an everyday example of what I've been talking about. And, you know, I believe that we all have these moments. Um, tell the rest of the story. Uh, uh, Michael is whispering for me to tell the rest of the story. I was going to. Um, so the, the youth, like even before I could get up, the youth that like had told me to F off and I was sitting close to and like, you know, thinking he probably won't hit me, but <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. He immediately said, oh, we can, we can pause it. And he paused the game and he turned the volume way down, way down. And I said, thank you. And I walked away and they continued. I know, right? That was pretty cool. Anyway, example of space. There's a, there's a creativity that's a part of this. There's a creativity that's a part of this. So both in these um, dicey kinds of interpersonal examples, sometimes dicey, um, and in other aspects of our life. You know, even just what we choose to do with our time. There's a creativity. So when static has settled down enough, there is something that wants to come forward. I think, again, incorrectly called a thing, but there is potential that wants to manifest through this unique uh, body, mind, heart, process, not me thing. <laughs> um, and I think at the shelter, I, I allowed that to happen in that moment, and that was satisfying for me. Um, Where am I going here? I want to loop back around to something here. Because um, sometimes, so sometimes my static is a kind of nervousness. So even before I go to give a Dharma talk, and certainly like a more public presentation, I can have this um, thought that uh, this is about me and my performance and people are going to see me and judge me and therefore I'm nervous. There's some story like that. And so in those situations and also in situations like the one I just described where someone says F you um, and a bunch comes up in me. 
um, I can remind myself or use the, the mantra or the teaching of this is not about me. This is not about me. And I would use that teaching to bring myself to a more grounded, true place. Because that is often, so the teaching, it's not about you or it's not about me. The function of that teaching is to bring us to that place inside, big air quotes there, that knows that, that knows that. and to get us centered in a truer place, in a truer seeing, in a clearer seeing. Mm -hmm. Where we wouldn't want to mistakenly use that teaching with ourselves or, or with others, this it's not about you, mm -hmm. is where this unique expression is wanting to emerge. Mm -hmm. When that happens, it's true. It's not about any static us, because there is no static, concrete us. But we don't need that thought. That thought can obstruct. Mm. I might be saying this to teachers that overuse the teaching. It's not about you. So often in Dharma, I remind myself, it's not about you. And the bow is that gesture, this, the full bows we do where we put the head on the ground and lift, you know, something bigger than this small sense of self, yeah, or any sense of self. Yeah. So that's where that teaching rightly points, rightly points, and is rightly used. Well, thank you for listening. I hope that, um, I pray that we all continue to um, find space, find space from those thoughts that might uh, be unhelpful <laughs> and find space from what might otherwise become our own suffering and find space from um, what might otherwise end up causing suffering for others. Hmm.